Hey guys, Professor Dex here with another episode of What to Do with a Kinesiology Degree. Today we sit down and chat with Amy, who is a PA and absolute super mom who's done it all. Listen in as we discuss how she became a PA, has been an innovator within various hospital settings, and is now helping students to achieve the dream she has made a reality. Oh, and she's also been very instrumental in the opening of a PA program at Point Loma Nazarene University, coming 2020. This is one you don't want to miss. Hey, Amy, you there? Hey, Josh. Hey, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Not too bad. Well, thanks so much for taking the time to sit and chat with me on my little podcast thing that I'm doing for my students and give them a little insight on, you know, what they can do with their kinesiology degree, you know, especially with the rise in demand of PAs and, um, you know, the difficulty or challenge of getting into those, you know, high demand PA schools. Yeah, absolutely. So I guess to kind of start a little bit is, you know, what's kind of your background? I know you're kind of a jack of all trades now between academia and professional and mom. So give us a little story, kind of like, where, where'd you start? You know, where, how, what steps did you take to kind of get to where you are today? Yeah, I'd love to. Um, and yeah, it'll be, it'll be a journey. I'll take you on. So um, no, it's really fun. So I started way back in the day in high school. I used to volunteer as a physical therapist aide, and um, I was very lucky to get that job, and it really sparked my interest in kinesiology and physical therapy. Mm-hmm. And so I um, moved down to Point Loma, and I was a physical therapist major, and I believe at the time my roommate was an athletic training major. <laughs> And she was doing more of the hands-on fun stuff. She was wrapping up ankles and I was stuck in <laughs> chemistry. And so I said, I said, I want to do that. <laughs> so I um, was lucky enough to be early enough in my undergraduate to switch over to athletic training. And at Point Loma, we had a pretty robust, rigorous mm-hmm. program um, that took us through didactics and then also a lot of hands-on and we worked in the training room every day with um, students so I had the ability to evaluate and have patient encounters every day with students which was vital to um, now my long-term career. So after I did that I um, took my certification exam and I worked as a athletic trainer at a local high school for a couple years and um, at the time I kind of I really didn't know much about PAs Mm -hmm. to be honest. I think it had been once or twice, but I really didn't understand it. And then I struggled in my athletic training role, um, being able to assess patients for colds and coughs, which wasn't really my role anyway, but they would still come in with colds and coughs when they were, you know, sick during mm-hmm. practice. And I would give them some cough drops because that's all I knew how to do. So I decided I wanted to expand my knowledge base. And my husband um, now, who is my, my <laughs> boyfriend at the time, he was a and so I, I knew I didn't want to go to med school because um, it's just, um, I'm going to be honest, it's just super time consuming. And I was already kind of in a career. Yeah. So I, I watched what he was doing and I was super excited about what he was learning. Um, but I knew that wasn't the path mm-hmm. for me. Um, and then I found out about PA and PA what gave me the opportunity to expand my knowledge uh, beyond orthopedics, yeah. um, not necessarily commit the same amount of time 
um, to the program. So I, I, you know, willy nilly actually took the MCATs and I took the GRE. And uh, at the end of the day, PA just made sense to me. I was accepted to um, a program out in Tennessee. That was actually our sister school. And um, as fate or God would have it, my husband ended up in residency about a mile away. (laughs) That's awesome. I know. And we actually, I tend to be a facilitator. That's what I'm known for. I um, pulled in some of his faculty from Vanderbilt over to Treveca, and we got to learn from some of the med school staff and faculty over there, which was amazing. Um, And then long story short, we came back here, and I've worked clinically for about 11 years now, and I work in the ER, but I've worked in OBGYN and family practice and orthopedics, Mm -hmm. Um, kind of picked up per diem jobs here and there, but my main job, and actually my specialty is um, emergency medicine. And then, um, you know, the biggest draw to PA is that we decided to raise a family. So I put the brakes on and pulled out, and I, I've been working per diem clinically. So I work one day a uh-huh. week for the last six years now, and I've been able to raise my two small girls who just, my oldest just started kindergarten. Ooh, so that's, that's awesome. big. Yeah. And then, you know, again, um, just kind of fallen into the right pathway talking to the right people. Jay and I, my husband and I decided we wanted to start um, teaching and kind of round out our career. Mm-hmm. So um, began teaching, love it, love to, to help the, the students that are deciding between med school and PA school. Um, and that has become my new passion. Aside from um, Josh, as you know, we're still um, in the final approval stages of our PA program at Point Loma. So that's been also really exciting to bring that education that I was so desperate for, um, to San Diego and to my hometown. Yeah. So, well, yeah, so. no, and it's such a demand. So when, you know, I was talking to Jeff, you know, the department chair, I, and he was like, yeah, PA program 2020, like we're doing it. Amy's on the ball, you know, she's that facilitator, right? Like you call yourself and yep. just getting it done. So, you know, that's going to be huge for Southern California, really, um, especially in that San Diego area. Yeah, we're very excited. For, I think, um, as you know, Point Loma really is a special school, mm-hmm. and I feel like the support there is just so unique and different than anywhere else. And that's what draw me, drew me back to it, is my undergrad experience there, and now my experience as faculty there. Um, developing this program has been so fun, because there's things that, that maybe business structure people and admin would say, we got to do it this way, because this makes this makes more money or this makes more sense business structure. And then Point Loma, you know, the core people there um, are like, well, let, what's best for the yeah. student? What's best for the family? What's best for people that are going to be here long-term? So I am so blessed to be a part of that. That's awesome. Um, and it's so exciting. And I wake up every day thinking about new things that we can do with the program. And I'm hoping that it's going to be, I know it's going to yeah, be amazing. Yeah, it's so. going to be awesome. I'm stoked. That's, that's really exciting. So you kind of started to allude a little bit, you know, you took the MCAT, the GRE, you know, what, in terms of like, and I know now the reason why I wanted to talk to you is because of the awesome advice that you give students. Basically, when I'd sit across the desk from you and I just listen to your conversation, (laughs) I'm like, I'm eavesdropping, but this is great stuff. I'm learning a lot too. Um, Yeah. You know, so what, you know, what does getting into PA school look like? What certifications? What are internships? You know, yeah. what, you know, GPA even, I mean, I, you know, what's it take? Sure. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's a great question. And it is the, the, the trouble with it. Well, it's a, it's a blessing and it's a trouble with PA 
programs and and p and pas out in the clinical setting is everybody is so unique and everybody comes from a totally different background um so there's not a straight answer to that we do do a lot of um, individual advising mm-hmm. because of that um, but the short answer to that is in order to be a good pa a good clinician um, five, 10 years from now, you need to have experience um, within the medical field. And so um, I push a lot of my students, because I'm biased probably, to go through athletic training programs. And I'm super excited that we now have, um, you know, Nicole is doing the Masters of Athletic Training. So I'm actually pushing a lot of my pre-PA and pre-med students even to go through the Masters um, Athletic Training Mm -hmm. Program so that they get those encounters and they get a similar experience to what I had um, which inevitably made me way more successful in PA school than those students that didn't have that kind kind of experience. Um, but yeah, experience at the end of the day, experience is the most important part. How do you get that? Well, if you have no experience to this date, um, you've got to get on the ball with EMT certification, MA certification, finding any type of tech job or assistant job, whether it's physical therapy aid or assistant. It doesn't necessarily need to be with a PA or with a physician. Mm-hmm. It just needs to be healthcare so that you can be familiar with how we approach patient care and what the goals are of patient encounters. Um, the sooner you can get that on board, the better you will be long term. And then you also really, most schools are going to be requiring anywhere from 500 to, geez, 3,000 hours of patient care, direct patient care. So PA schools really want you to have kind of a mini career before you go to PA schools. Many people are scared off by that. I will tell you, even with working as an MA or a PTA or even an athletic trainer for a couple of years, you're still going to be finishing PA school way before anybody else. In fact, I, I graduated and was working before my husband and I went to school two years after him. I, had, I didn't even know what a PA was when he went off to med school in Vermont. And then I was out practicing before him. So, so really, it doesn't like don't be scared from getting into something ahead of time. Whether you're doing strength and conditioning, I think is great. You know, there's so many different things that you can do um, that is direct patient care and involvement. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and then GPA. You mentioned GPA. That is a big one. I think there is some misunderstanding. Um, many schools will list their requirements as a 3.0. Some of them actually have 2.7s. Oh wow. Um, I'm going to burst the bubble here. It, it's really kind of a business strategy in, in some regards. Some people actually want the lower GPAs, but most people just want the applications. Yeah. <laughs> so, so the average, if you look at the average cohort of most PA programs, um, you're looking at three, four. Some of them are three, seven. There, there's a great university that I, that I um, work with that's from Philadelphia. They're at three, eight for their average GPA. Wow. Yeah. So now there are there are different levels. There are different schools that are after different things. Some mm-hmm. of the schools want academic minded, didactic people so that their scores can be really, really high on the on the passing rates for the national boards. And some people want people with tons of experience and they don't care about GPA GPA as much. Mm-hmm. But you've got to you've got to in your undergrad, you have to perform. Yeah, so you've got to be really a three. I have students under three, four. Um, I do ask them to try and step up their last couple of years because you're going to struggle um, getting into that application process. Um, and then that's just going to add years. And then, I don't know, you could have been maybe on a different career path at that point. So I definitely advise people to, to pay attention to their studies, be strong. PA school is really hard. It's a lot of information in a very short amount of time. And so they want students that can show in their undergrad that they can handle that workload. Mm-hmm. Um, didactic 
safety and also um, workloads. So they're working clinically and they have, or they have internships or jobs, and then they're also supporting their didactic. Yeah. So no, it's a, it's a, a lot crammed into pretty much two years, right? It's two year program yeah. typically. Yeah. Yeah. Most programs are two to three years. So, um, and med school, if you think of med school, it's four years. Plus usually you have a three to five year residency. Mm-hmm. And so they're, they're technically trying to get eight ish years into a two to three year program. Yeah. So it's, you know, you gotta be able to balance pretty much everything. Um, yeah. And so, you know, you went on, you mentioned now you have a family, you're working per diem. Um, you have that good like work life balance right now. Yes. What did, you know, how did your work life balance look maybe before kids, maybe while you're in PA school and immediately right after when you're, you know, full time practicing? What what is that kind of like? What does your work life look like and everything? Yeah. Well, I mean, I I will still credit to this day my current work life balance, which is phenomenal and um I couldn't be happier with where I'm at and it's probably because when I was in PA school and when I first came out of PA school I worked really hard Mm -hmm. I I mean I was full-time for sure I worked in in PA school I actually did a little bit of athletic training on the side but majority of PA programs do not allow you to work because they don't want it interfering with the intense amount of work and I just worked a football game here or there I wasn't actually you know gotta support the side hustle right that's right. Well, I wanted to keep my skills up too. I mean, I didn't want to lose something that I just worked so hard to get. Uh-huh. Um, but, but yeah, uh, no, Josh, those like those those dimes did not contribute to the the debt from Crestville. <laughs> <laughs> so, so no, but yeah, but, um, I did that, and then as soon as I got out, um, my husband and I we both moved back to San Diego. Um, worked full time in the ER, so I worked about crazy, like maybe 180 hours. Uh, a month, but we were young and excited and we didn't have any kids and mm-hmm. we had a small chihuahua and it totally worked. Um, and then I did actually step into a leadership role in admin and um, that was really fun. I, I got to evolve as a person and as a provider um, and start help help build a program. And actually, I was the very first PA there at um, Grossmont Hospital in the ER and we, we are now, I think, 60 PA strong. Wow. So that was really fun. And then as soon as we got pregnant, uh, we were like, okay, we're going to have to pass this on because <laughs> it was so big and so intense. I mean, I was on my phone all the time, mm-hmm. emails constantly. That's any leadership role I'm sure you're aware. And that, you know, I worked really hard to find the perfect person to carry on that torch. And then we just kind of bowed out. Yeah. <laughs> so, and then I've been, I've been doing I'm doing, doing the mom thing and I love it. And I love to be able to be home and work when I want to work and not work when I don't want to be here for holidays. Um, but that's really only obtainable, I think, from the early years where we just worked really hard to get there. Yeah. And so what is, you know, I'm sure some people are wondering, you know, what's, what's per diem? Cause you hear it, you know, my wife, she has per diem nurses and everything like that. So what, what, would, what is per diem? So that way some listeners would know what that's like. Sure. Yeah. I mean, per diem really is not even part-time. So per diem can be anything you want it to be. I could, I could pick up, um, you know, working in an emergency room, it's shift work. So I can easily just pick up shifts versus a commitment in a family practice mm-hmm. office. Um, but even there, even there, you can pick up shifts when people are sick or there's vacations that need to be um, worked. But I currently only work clinically once a week. I choose to just pick up one shift yeah. every week. Sometimes I don't, sometimes I don't pick up any shifts. 
Um, so our per diems, we have a big bank of per diems in our emergency room, and they're less than part-time, so they're not scheduled. So yeah. we get to pick our get a we get to tell the scheduler when we're available. Um, man, it's so nice. It's yeah, so nice. <laughs> that sounds really sweet. Um, so you and know- it other things like teach. If I was working full time or even part time clinically, I wouldn't have the um, ability to teach because that is even more work. <laughs> yeah, <As> you know. <laughs> yeah. Your 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 first year, I remember sitting across from you, like, I have an internship class, and I think there's not even a book and there's just a lot to teach. And I'm like, welcome. Yeah. I can't even. Imagine real. <laughs> yeah. So um, kind of rounding out, I mean, this is all like great information and fantastic. So how has your faith impacted you, you know, within your profession? Yeah. I mean, so I, you know, I'm in a profession where, um, well, specifically in the emergency room, mm-hmm. you know, patients that, that we see often are having their worst day ever. Um, and that can be their own injury or the loss of a family member, um, or just going through something really rough. We deal with a lot of depression Mm -hmm. and anxiety and things like that. And so being able to kind of, um, I don't know, sit down with them and level with them on who they believe in, what they believe in. We do, we we definitely have lots of cultures, uh, where we work in San Diego and so not everyone believes in God and not everybody has the same values, but being able to have faith and relate with another patient and kind of bring that into the part of healing and to bring that into their, um, their treatment and their approach. I think that's mm-hmm. really, really important. And you know, it's like, usually you never know when to, to bring that up. It's always a, a tricky thing to, to mm-hmm. talk about sometimes in a in an ER situation, but every time I do, and if I feel like it's the right moment, it, everybody just kind of sighs. Everybody is a little bit relieved to know that we're all doing the same thing. We're all, you know, working towards the same goal. We all have support. Yeah. And yeah, so it's, I don't know, it's a really great opportunity um, as a PA to be able to use your faith with patients and to relate with them and to help them get through some really hard times. Oh yeah. that That's awesome. And so what would be, you know, we've kind of hit all the bullets. How, how you, before I get to like my last, anything that's like, you know, when you talk to your students and you do your advising, you know, anything that I've missed, that's like essential that you recommend they do that they try any tips, advice, yeah. or maybe even like adversity that you might've hit along the road and how you overcame it and anything like that. Yeah. Um, uh, two things come to mind, but I think we can, we can intertwine them really there are so many things that you can do in this world, um, different professions and jobs. And even within each job, there are different duties that you can, different directions you can go in. Uh, some of the undergrads that we talk with, Josh, they are, and we were like this too, um, they feel like they have to pick something specific and, and be focused on that. And I, many of my students, I say, listen, you do need to pick a career pathway, mm-hmm. but you don't need know today whether you're going to be a pediatrician or you're going to be an orthopedic PA or you want to work in admin or, you know, all this kind of stuff. Those are great things to know, but pick your career path, make sure it's the right one for you. And the first thing I was going to say about that is shadow, be a part of real life um, professions. So you know what they are. Don't be surprised halfway through your career where you've already spent a lot of money and a lot of time and effort. Um, Shadow early, find people, talk to people, 
um, get into the hospital setting or the clinic setting so you know what it's like. Once you pick that career, put your head down, focus, and then later on in life, you can do so many different things. You've heard what I've done. I've done yeah. so many different, and I still get phone calls today about random things <laughs> that people want me to do, and I would have never even thought those opportunities there. They are mm-hmm. because head down, worked hard, and, and those opportunities come later. So those would be the two things I would say is know what you're getting into, shadow, be a part of it, and then also work really hard. Don't waver, kind of put your blinders on and go forward. If you decide you want to do something different within the PA program or the PA career pathway later, totally doable. That's what I love about PA. Mm-hmm. There are so many things you can do with a PA degree. Um, so I just say get it, work hard, get your degree, and then kind of go from there. But make sure you shadow and, and see what it's like first. Yeah, no, I mean, even if, you know, obviously, I think the shadow is the big thing, especially early, because a lot of times you'll see internship courses are like, you know, they're later on in the student's career. And really, it's like, it's kind of late to, well, maybe someone doesn't like it, right? Um, right. And so, you know, starting early, but then, you know, no, no one ever regretted working hard. So. <laughs> right. right. Well said. <laughs> All right, Amy. Well, I really appreciate your time and uh, talking with us a little bit about the P- PA and the career and kind of your life journey and stuff like that. I really appreciate it. And I think students will get a huge kick out of, you know, listening to you and your wisdom. Great. I'm glad. Awesome. We'll talk to you later then. Okay. Have a great day. You too. Bye.